Welcome into the Friday edition of Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. I'm Gavin Spittle. I'm joined by Sean Shapiro of EP Rinkside and Shap Shots. Ike, Sean, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, it sounds like my uh, I'm a little bit over the weather more than you're under the weather. So at least uh, <laughs> we're kind of bringing up the average uh, health standard right now for the show. But uh, yeah. I'm good. It's uh, it was uh, it's going into a Friday. It's going to be it's going to be a good weekend. It's it's uh, things are going well right now. So can't complain. Yeah, it's frustrating when you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to get some quality sleep, and then you wake up and feel like this. It's like, wow. Man, how do I get penalized for trying to get good sleep? You know, you should wake up and feel better, not worse, but it's that's, going that's around. The, the worst is the one where you're like, you get like 10, 11 hours of sleep, and then you wake up and you're like, wait, how am I still tired? Like, that's that's the worst one. But then yeah. there's times you don't sleep and you'll get like like four hours of sleep and somehow you're buzzing. Like, I don't get it. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. In hockey terms, I'm coming off a of back to back, and right now I don't have the legs. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it in uh, hockey perfect. terms. But perfect, the, perfect way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. What a game last night, and mm-hmm. uh, just a just a fun game to uh, to watch. And uh, both goalies were excellent. But obviously, we have to highlight uh, our goalie Jake Ottinger, and we talk about the elite goalies in the league. And throughout the season, they'll steal you a game and. And clearly that was the case uh, last night. And Ottinger became the uh, spotlight. Uh, Not a Vetchkin who was on a tear as well as the whole Capitals team was on a tear as of late. And the Stars walked in just like they did in New Jersey and, uh, you know, kind of quelled the excitement. And uh, it's been a very impressive road trip. Yeah, and I think it's headline for this one is obviously Jake Ottinger because what the headline could have been for this game with the the news around the league, obviously, is Ovechkin had three had the hat trick the other night to get to 800 goals. Like it's crazy to think about that number. Like only three players now in NHL history have scored 800 goals: Ovechkin, Gordy Howe, and Wayne Gretzky, of course. And we're talking about a guy who, if you had told me five years ago somebody would break Wayne Gretzky's goal record, I would have been like, no, that's no, it's not going to happen. But now I almost look at Ovechkin and realize like it's going to happen. He's got the time. He's got. He's not slowing down and. He's got. It was fresh off that hat trick, and so if if Ovechkin scores last night, and I think he had, I think I got the box score here. He had something like five shots. Yeah. Um, he was all over the ice again. He had the assist on the first on the on the Washington goal, and if he scores, all of a sudden the Stars become and Jake Ottinger become forever living a highlight and a trivia question. Where like when Ovechkin like when he scored eight oh one to tie Gordy Howe. You're in that highlight for forever now. And so Jake Ottinger avoided a piece of history that way. Yep. And at the same time, gave us just like with more people focusing, it's kind of one of those like uh, rising tides bring all ships up, right? Like with the amount of eyes on Ovechkin, with the amount of attention on this Capitals team and everything like that as he continues to score goals, when you have a performance against Washington like that, like Ottinger did, it just continues to grow your profile in the league in a positive way. Like the stars knew what they have had in Jake Ottinger, but I think it just kind of, it's good for the rest of the rest of the world. For those who maybe didn't, weren't realized what happened. Like there, there's a section of the hockey fan base who watched Jake Ottinger play last night. And we're like, okay, what this kid did against Calgary. When I last paid attention to the stars, he's the real deal. And that goes for, 
fandom it goes for media it goes for a little bit of everything like it's the type of like statement game for jake ottinger against the right opponent that you're like yeah if you're gonna be a big time goalie in this league that's where you have those games and that's where you make a name for yourself even more so so i i i know i'm taking kind of a macro view at a micro macro view out of it but obviously it's Jake was great. I just can't say enough about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I was looking up his stats this morning after um, last night's game, and his goals against right now is lower than his career average. Granted, he hasn't been around um, longer, and his save percentage right now is higher than his career save percentage average. So um, having a good year, obviously a little bit slow coming back from the injury, but even looking at the goals allowed on this road trip, um, and kudos to Wedgwood as well. Um, mm-hmm. it's really impressive. These are just not, you know, regular teams, Penguins yeah. and Jersey and Washington and tomorrow night, Carolina. I mean, it could be argued that this would be the toughest road trip of the season. So to come back, you know, either three and one or two and two, or, I mean, that to mm-hmm. me is a success. But what I love about Ottinger too, is the smiles through the mask last night. I think, he, you know, and, and after yeah. the game, he knew the moment was there and, you know, he just, he just felt it. And I love his quiet confidence around the net. And you just felt like when you were watching that game, it's like, oh my God, like the last four or five minutes, it's like Washington's just putting us, putting it on the stars. I felt like I would say it. You know, all but maybe 30 to 45 seconds of the last four minutes was in the star zone. And you're like, oh, this game should be tied. And it's just there was a part of me watching the game that said, no, not tonight. And when you say that, man, you got a good goalie on your team. Yeah. To me, one of the big things about Jake and save percentage and goals against average are important stats. Still, I'm a big proponent looking at now. I like to use a goal saved. It's there's a stat using called get goals saved above average which is basically it takes the it takes basically the amount of goals a goalie actually allowed compared to the expected goals against right and it just it's kind of a it's looking at kind of quality and it's not the perfect metric but it gives you a good idea of how they're of how a goalie is doing compared to what would be quote unquote the average goalie it's like baseball war right it's kind of like that um and Ottinger right now is sixth in sixth in the league with nine point two six goals saved above average at all strengths, which is the types. The only goalies above him in that space are Linus Olmark in Boston, Connor Hellebuck, um, Ilya Sorokin, Tristan Jerry, Ilya Samsonov. A lot of Ilyas. Um, yeah. And uh, he's uh, and he it's so not only he's playing well and he's surpassing expectations even more so. And then the other one that I really like. This is the other like thing about this too. Like there's a you can break this down by how how a goalie does versus um on various situations and and I think while Jake does it while the stars do a good job of limiting chances, when Jake Ottinger is facing those high danger chances, he's performing really well too. Um he's got the his save percentage on high danger save percentages is, is 845 which is obviously that and that's that's a number that's on 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 par with Connor Hellebuck it's better than 
Ilya Sorokin. It's it's the only goalie who's really the Samsonov is really the only goalie in that group that's having a better performance on the most difficult shots. And that's the thing that we've been yelling and wanting the stars to have for years. They had it a bit with Ben Bishop, but he didn't mm-hmm. really stay healthy. Yep. Um, it just it's it's the thing to have that and to have that as a guy where you can see the path is still there to go forward. This isn't just a veteran guy who is coming to town for a couple of years to do this. This is a guy who's going to build on long-term. This is a guy who you legitimately look and see like, Hey, we may have the starter for team USA at the Olympics right here. Like yeah. this is, this is, this is, it's a, this is fun. This is really fun. And I'm, um, I'm giving all the kudos to Jake Ottinger right now. And that's just uh, the fact we can do this and feel confident that we'll still be able to talk about the same guy this way a week from now, two weeks from now, a year from now. That's such a fun thing to have in that. Like, it's uh, like if you think about this, Gavin, right? In Dallas history, there's only one other goalie that the Stars have ever homegrown into a true starter, and that's Marty Turco. Every other time, they've had to go outside, wow. even when they won the cup. Ed, Ed Belfour was obviously a free agent. Um, they had to trade for Kari Lettinen. They trade for Ben Bishop. The Stars have never, not never, once ever, right? drafted and home and raised and based drafted and developed a goalie that stayed here and became like a true starter. Like that's a development that's been missing from this franchise for so long. And they're finally doing it. Like that should be celebrated every day. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. They, you know, kind of had it in Mike Smith, but as you mentioned, stayed around and they traded him to uh, Tampa for Brad Richards, mm-hmm. which turned out to yep. be a pretty good trade yep. um, for, for uh, both teams. So, you know, a couple other things that I thought was impressive is, you know, the Stars knew that they had to stay out of the box and primarily did. Um, I thought the forwards and defensemen um, held their ground as far as, you know, making sure that they maintain their their man. So uh, I thought, you know, candidly, the one goal that Washington scored, I thought it was awesome. Um, what a pass from Ovechkin. I think everyone was oh, yeah. expecting him to shoot. Um, and it was just a great pass. And I don't know of any goalie that stops that, you know, it was just, it was a wonderful play. And, you know, sometimes you gotta, you know, tip the cap. And that was one of those cases where, you know, just a great play by a a, a great player. Where do you have him all time? And this is a kind of a tough generic question, but you know, I struggle with him being better than Crosby because I love what Crosby brings to the table defensively and his face-off win percentage. But that said, I mean, we are talking about, you know, yeah, I, it, it's, it's just it, so yeah. tough because, so, I mean, so, you know, you, you got to play the whole game, right? The easy cop-out with Ovechkin, which I'll give right now, is you can say he's the greatest goal scorer in NHL history and he's the greatest winger in NHL history. Those are the easy cop-outs. Yeah. Like, cause obviously Crosby's a center. Gretzky was a center. Lemieux was a center. Like it's, it's, it's the easy cop-outs are we've never seen a winger like this. And that's the easy cop-out for this. But, um, I, I think like greatness is, a, is such an interesting thing and him. And if you were to tell me, Hey, I could pick, I can bottle up, I could get a time machine and I get to pick a player in their prime and I get the first pick. I'm probably picking Crosby, honestly, mm-hmm. just like, but, uh, but if, if, and you're telling me like, Hey, I can do that. And I can, I can, I always say Crosby's won three cups. Like it's, 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 it's the, the, what his team has done. He's Crosby's had better teams too. Um, 
But if you also talk about being able to bottle things up in overall greatness, I think it's important to acknowledge two key things with Ovechkin. First, the durability in the way he plays is the reason he's going to break Gretzky's goal scoring record is because you see how heavy he plays, how physical he plays, how much he was basically a human missile running guys over earlier in his career and continued to just keep going. Like that, the fact that he's had that longevity and the durability, that's a part of his greatness. The other thing I think is how he's kind of changed within his, uh, he's changed within his career where he's kind of evolved from that guy who used to rely so much on the rush to being uh, more and more of a threat in the zone, not just on the power play, but even strength as well. Like the evolution of being basically kind of two versions of ideal offense is impressive. So um, he's on the first line in NHL history. Like if you're talking about like, I'm building an all time team, like he's the first, he's on the first, if you're building just because of the position, but if you were to take away the position, he's pro- he's definitely. I mean, it, it starts to become a little bit more difficult. But right now, you say, "Hey, I'm building the best. Li- I'm building the best first line I can in the history of the NHL, and I can take guys from their prime." It's 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 uh, it's Ovechkin on Gretzky's wing. Yeah, it's so. just it's just amazing, especially on the power play. You know, I've often said like, "Okay, how many?" Because I I haven't seen it personally, but I always wonder why a team just doesn't put a man just specifically on him. And Did I know that's because the, you got you got you got Oshi, you got others. That's you know. But have you have you ever seen the? Uh, there was a when Steph Curry played college basketball. I think it was Davidson, right? Yeah. Um, there's a game where the other team basically did that, where they basically double teamed Steph Curry the entire game, and didn't let basically just took him out of the game and just didn't let him shoot. And like I think David's still won like like thirty points or something like that. Like, like I'm gonna look this up while we're talking, right? Um, like it was the great poll, you know, and Steph Curry it, it, went to Davidson. Yeah. Um, so okay, yeah, yeah. So Loyola, this was I just googled this. Loyola decided to basically they double they double team Steph Curry the entire time, uh, and. Uh, Davidson still won seventy eight to forty eight because uh, because there was always an op- there was always someone else open. So I think it's uh, with with Ovechkin and and that you you try to shade towards it, you try to defend that shot more and everything like that. But with the power play, I think it just becomes the inevitability where if you just were to put a guy on him the entire time, all of a sudden you're playing four on two <laughs> everywhere else. Yeah, and it just it just becomes too much. So, yeah, he's he's special. That's for sure. It was uh, fun to. Watch. I mean, this is a road trip that's really fun to watch. I mean, it was great to see, um, you know, the speed of New Jersey. So cool to see Crosby, Malkin, and Pittsburgh, and of course Ovechkin going for the record uh, last night. Um, and then tomorrow night we see um, what I feel is uh, a premier team in the NHL. It is. Yeah. Um, I mean, just hitting on all cylinders and. Uh, they have it going on in uh, in Raleigh. Uh, your thoughts on uh, tomorrow night? Obviously, it's a successful uh, road trip. I love love myself some Sebastian Ajo. I just think he's a a great all around player. That if he played in a major market, I think uh, his name would be more notable. Um, they're they're just one of those teams that just quietly 
coming off last year just doing their thing. And they are a team, if you want to be a hockey nerd when you're watching this game, this I do. I will be, and I will be the one watching this game. Uh, Carolina is a team that they get after you on the four check harder than any team in the NHL. I talked to, uh, I've always been, one of the things I've always been curious of, because I'd love to see the data on it. So I, I often have this conversation with players and goalie, with defensemen and goalies. I'm always curious of how much goalie puck handling uh, disrupts a four check and everything like that. And I always talk to, and every time I, I often have this conversation with defensemen around the league and goalies around the league of like, Breaking down an opposing forecheck, what's it like? How does it matter? But every single time, it always comes back to the point of, well, some teams are harder. Some teams are, some teams do this, some teams do that. And then there's Carolina, because Carolina basically comes at you like a like a missile. They basically they come at you like a missile every single time. F one is in hard. F two is in hard. They forecheck harder than any team in the league. They get the puck, they go through the zone. They don't really play with possession. They go through, they, they dump it in, and then they just come at you and they just try to run you through the boards. They do it harder than any team in the league, and everyone knows it. And it's a team that, Gavin, I'm going to tee you up for this right here. Yeah. This is where your defensemen get hit. This is where your defensemen Ooh, start to be. My kind of game. To, start to go into the quarters and everything like that. And so it's Carolina plays with speed that way, and the way they forecheck and the way they come at you, this is going to be one of those games that's going to – the Miro Heishkinens of the world are going to be are going to are going to read pressure well. Um, Jake Ottinger is going to have to handle the puck well. This is the game where I'm sure Rod Brendamore walks into the room and circles Ryan Sooner, Ryan Suter's name, and circles Colin Miller's name. It's like that's where we're dumping the puck. We're going after those guys. That's what I'm going to be watching in this game. Watch how Carolina attacks on their dump-ins, which defensemen they target, and watch how the Stars handle it. It's going to be a big game for Jake Ottinger as a puck handler because the communication there and making it easier for defensemen. You need that against Carolina to have success. And if stars fans remember during the off season, there was some chatter about Brent Burns uh, because he does have a, a Texas ranch, but he ended up going to uh, Carolina and he's having uh, a good year, four goals, 16 assists, 20 points. Um, Shvetsnikov is a terrific Sebastian Ajo. Tell me about number 88, a young man named Martin Nikas. Yeah, he's someone. He's he's got a heck of a shot. He's someone who I remember looking at. Uh, he was he was someone who kind of he wasn't going to be in that top three range when Dallas drafted in 2017. But yep. he was. He's another guy from that 2017 yep, draft. Twelfth pick. Yep. That 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 uh that I kind of remember looking at, just wondering uh where he could go and everything like that. And he's a guy who kind of he always had that shot, um, and it was always going to be for him a case of figuring out the the way to uh, really develop it and and kind of take the next step to to get more and like he had uh what he's doing what he's shooting he's shooting more this year which is great like I'm looking at it right now I just pulled up his stat line he's got 93 shots already this year through 29 games he had 159 wow. last year Oof. uh he's got he's got he's got he had 80 in two in 2019-20 in he had 88 shots in 64 games. He's got, he's basically at a spot where he's kind of doubling his shot output or or whatever. And he's converting at a he's converting at a similar rate than he has, and he's just shooting more. He's figuring out ways to get that shot off more often. And it's basically we're seeing the evolution of a player who 
uh, you and I have talked about how you learn the league and the league learns you. And he is going through, he's taking that step in his career right now where he's learned that the league understands where he's going to be. And he's adding elements to his game to create more shots, a little bit more movement here and there, changing the blade angle a little bit, things like that, that you're seeing with him where it's just kind of, he's doing the things that turn you in from a flash in the pan, hot goal scorer in your early twenties to a guy like Joe Pavelski, 15 years later, who keeps adding elements. That's what Martin Nekas, uh, Nekas or Nietzsche's. I'm not sure. That's we'll have to, <laughs> I apologize. Just remember Martin. the back of the uh, sweater. N E C A S. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, but he's, he's a guy to watch and he, he's got a heck of a shot and he's just getting it off more and more and more and in dangerous spots too. And he's also playing more too. Like he's elevated. Like I think he's averaging close to 20 minutes a night. So, you know, but for about a third of the game, you're going to see him. Where do you see Rob Brindamore as, as far as like top coaches in the NHL? I think he, um, without going and making a rank list, I have, I, I would put him at top 10. I would put him yeah. as a top 10 coach in the NHL. Um, I'd have to go to, to narrow that down. I'd have to go through and this would be a longer exercise, but I look at him as a top 10 coach in that in the league. He's a, he's a coach who I think, um, there is the whole hullabaloo about his, uh, about his contract and whether he'd return to Carolina. And he's actually, from my understanding, actually pretty underpaid for what he's done. But kind of the reason for that is he loves Carolina so much and he's got, and he doesn't need spent so much time there that he's kind of been willing to take that hometown discount to stay there. Like if he was, if he wanted to go to the open market when his contract is up, he would have had many, many offers, I believe to choose from. Um, I, I think the thing that's good about what Brendan Moore has done is there's players who were great players who become coaches. A lot of them struggle to find the connection with, uh, find the connection with players just because it's like, it's like when, 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 when Wayne Gretzky coached the coyotes, it's kind of the natural thing of like, Oh, well, you're telling guys to do this or be like Wayne Gretzky. No one else can be like Wayne Gretzky. Like a lot of the guy, a lot of a lot of the players who become coaches, the didn't really have great or notable playing crews. They were a lot of the middle guys. They were the guys who had to work and find ways to adjust and everything like that. And Brendan Moore was a great player, but so much of his personality and the way he worked defensively and the way he his fitness and everything like that. Like I think he's just so well built to understand and connect with every piece of the roster. And that's allowed him just to continue to evolve as a coach and figure out the game management. He's got better at that too. It's, it's impressive. It's he's, he's a, he's a good coach. And if Carolina is a, I would, I would say like, as he continues to do what he's done in Carolina, as long as if he ever wises up to the fact he could get a lot more on the open market, he'll be in Carolina for a long time. You know, one other little tidbit for tomorrow night that a lot of Stars fans and fans of hockey might not know here in Dallas-Fort Worth is that the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, Tom Dundon, uh, 48 years old, uh, attended SMU and was born and raised here in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth and uh, did an amazing job in uh, business and uh, had a big doing as far as the evolution of Top Golf and, uh, you know, owns the Carolina Hurricanes, at least the uh, majority stake, and has gone in, wants to keep the team in Raleigh, and wants to make stadium improvements, and wants to make it fun to the fans. We had him in studio a few years back, and 
he he kind of wishes the timing would have been different because he would have been the owner of the Dallas Stars. So I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, little tidbit for tomorrow night as well. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's still, I believe, he still lives in Dallas. He actually, yep. he it was. I think it was last year or the. I think it was last spring he ended up actually buying out the final remainder of that uh, stake. So I believe he's at 100% ownership now. And he's uh, he's an interesting uh, – he comes from a little bit of the the Mark – being a Dallas guy, he comes from a little bit of the Mark Cuban, Jerry Jones school of ownership where he's not uh, – <laughs> He's a little bit, uh, a little bit out there. His ideas sometimes yep. don't really mesh well with all of his peers, and uh, it's it's he's he's an interesting character and uh, someone who I know I've talked to I've talked to a couple a couple times about his views on the game and everything like that. And he's someone who uh, he's far from the traditionalist. He's someone who once told me he'd be willing to have the jerseys look like NASCAR jerseys because he's a uh, he looks at he looks at revenue that way, and so definitely, uh, definitely someone with those Dallas ties. And depending on your view on traditionalism, on whether you want them owning your team or not, is up to you. Yeah, it was a big controversy. I would say about three or four years ago, when back when Don Cherry was on Hockey Night in Canada, and he went off on the Carolina Hurricanes doing bits after the game, where at Center Ice, where they'd have celebrities and. And basically the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, that night made a T-shirt and it sold out the next day. So, uh, I I mean, I think the reality is, I don't know how you feel, Sean. It's Raleigh, North Carolina. You have to do these things. You have to entertain the fans. Um, And I think they've done a a nice job as far as like saying, like, we're going to keep the team here. And, you know, that's that's the story. And I also kudos to them. I mean, I'm partial. They brought back the uh, Hartford Whalers uniforms, and I always like that. Yeah, I like I. Uh, the one thing I, I wish that they would do on the Hartford front is, uh, I I I really respect that the Stars kept the North Stars jerseys retired in Dallas. There's Hartford numbers that when the team moved, those numbers got unretired. Agree. That would be my one. Yeah. That would be my one tweak. There are I some agree. Hartford numbers that. So it's kind of weird because like when they wore those Hartford Whalers jerseys, there's some numbers that were retired in Hartford that are showing up again on Hartford Whalers jerseys when the Hurricanes wear them. And those for me are the, that's, that would be my one tweak on the, uh, on the kind of the, the Whalers uh, history space. But yeah, it's the Whalers logo. Like, let's just take a second and just acknowledge how uh, perfectly designed that was with yeah. the, the negatives, the negative space for the lettering and everything like that. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> so such a good such a good goal song too. I don't know if I don't know if we're allowed to play Brass Bonanza, but oh yeah, drop, there you go. We should, we should drop Brass Bonanza in as a, as an outro. I don't know if that's allowed. But. <laughs> <laughs> Former Stars coach Dave Tippett was a big part of those Hartford Whalers uh, teams. Yeah. Also, a quick uh, side story. So we were out at spring training a few years back, and I was with the KNC Masterpiece Corey and Kevin, and at the Arizona Dallas game that we went to. I saw a Hartford Whalers jersey, and I'm like, wow, that's cool. Later that night, we're at a, an establishment, a bar, and I was like, oh, I saw that gay guy at the game, and he was wearing a Hartford Whalers sweater. And then two more guys come in wearing Hartford Whalers sweaters. Sean, I'm not kidding. There were 25 people that showed up wearing Hartford Whalers sweaters. I'm like, I really? need to know the backstory of this. <laughs> so I walked up to the table, including the person that lost a bet and had to hold the foam finger of the Hartford Whalers up all night long. 
So even when he went to the restroom, he had yeah. to he had to have it up. So I asked, and they, they're a group from Canada that okay. just pick a random city every single year and go watch hockey and play golf with a lot of drinking, and they just pick a sweater every year and they wear that sweater. And this was the year of Hartford, so they all bought Hartford Whaler sweaters. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! It was it truly I, yeah. is amazing. Uh, that's I, awesome. I, I have a uh, that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I I know because I have a Hartford Whaler sweatshirt, so yeah. I you know I I think it's great. I have a Quebec Nordiques uh, sweater as well. You know, I love the I love the throwback. I love the one of the I have a one of my kind of. Uh, Habits will be sometimes because I, I like collecting. I, I like minor league baseball hats, but typically kind of the uh, the ones where like it'll be a little bit off. Like it'll be like, oh, they're doing like this this specialty night or yeah. whatever. And every single year, the uh, Hartford Yard, the, the Hartford Yard Goats and the AAA team there, they do Whalers Night, right? And so I a couple of years back, they did uh, on the Whalers like reunion night. They did the one where it's got the they did the hat in. Uh, in whalers colors and instead of the bat the bat the, the goat is wearing the uh is holding is holding the ba- the hockey stick instead and so i've got that in the uh that's on my hat rack here that i that occasionally makes its way out so it's uh it's it's kind of uh obviously you never want to you never want to see a market lose a team so it's yeah. at least it's, but it's it's kind of nice to see that it lives on in in, in a way and in, in, in that it can and everything so you think that the Stars should keep North Stars retired? I think the Stars should still have the North Stars numbers retired. Okay. I also think that I don't think it needs to be every single banner, but I think the Stars are doing a disservice to local hockey history. When you walk into the arena, you see the numbers that are retired from, like you see Bill Masterton's number, yep. and you can look up and someone can ask about 19, and you can tell the story. Yep. The Stars have completely erased any achievements from the North Stars days. I feel like there should be one banner up. You don't have to even make a ceremony about it. There should be one banner up that has the Minnesota North Stars logo on it, and it lists just the North Stars achievements. Because literally, the Stars went, the, this franchise went to the Stanley Cup final in 1981 and 1991. And there's no banner for it. There's no history for it. Mike yeah. Madonna was part of that 1991 team. And I mean, the reason that banner's not up is the very like to is basically the ownership moved the team from Minnesota to Dallas and basically wanted to give a middle finger back to Minnesota. That's why there's no banner and that's why they did everything to try to basically not do that. But I, I think from a hockey history standpoint, from a spot where like and that's what banners are to me. Like banners are supposed to be hockey history where you're supposed to be at the game. It's so there's a lull in the play. There's a break and you look up and you look at a number or you see a year and you're like, Hey, you remember when, or you're with a new fan and they look up and say, Oh, what happened in, 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 in what happened in, in 99. And like, that's what banners are supposed to be for me. And I think you're missing a part of hockey history that you could share by just having one banner up there, North stars logo, two time, uh, Stanley cup finalists, 81, 91, just real simple in the like just alongside the banners. I, I think there's kind of a, a history there that can be acknowledged. And also, if you did that, we'd have more of an argument to ask the Minnesota Wild to stop doing that. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah that that did not make us stars. Um, that did not make them happy uh, mm-hmm. when the North Stars were unveiled in an alumni game. That's no bueno. 
So, uh, yeah, well, you know, a perfect example, Sean, is uh, as far as being forgotten is Jamie Benn moving up as far as all-time goals in the franchise, and the name Brian Bellows was mentioned. And, I mean, Brian Bellows for his career, uh, almost 1,200 games, uh, 1,022 points. I mean, an amazing career, and he basically has no home. Kind of saw this when I lived in Houston as far as the old Houston Oilers because they still lived in Houston. Tennessee was not acknowledging them. The Texans were new and kind of wanted to build their own thing. And, you know, it's kind of a shame because names like Dan Pastorini and Robert Brazil were kind of forgotten. And I think the same thing here. You're right. I mean, there were some amazing names. Uh, uh, Bobby Smith, Brian Bellows. Um, you know, it's just, it was, a, it was a terrific franchise up there. Yeah, and it's it's something where it's, you embrace Texas, you embrace the Dallas part of it, but I don't feel like there's, especially now, obviously the Dallas Stars are so well established yeah. and everything like that. You're not hurting your brand by playing on the nostalgia. You're not hurting your brand by by taking um by giving by giving a nod to the history there. And I think that's I, I think that's important. And I think that's something where you can tell that story. And um it's that's why like when I wrote my book, A Hundred Things Stars Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, I made sure to include the North Stars in the history there because it is a history of the game. And that's I, I would like to see a little bit more acknowledgement of that by the stars. Don't take anything away from Texas. Don't take anything away from Dallas, but just acknowledge it. It's just like when you talk about someone's personal history, like what you did in the past doesn't take away from what you're doing today, but it's yeah. still fun to talk about. So, well, I'm, and I know we were in a COVID situation, but I kind of felt that way with uh, the cup team, you know, Craig Ludwig mm-hmm. and others really didn't celebrate the 20th anniversary. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, when Zuboff's retirement, I mean, you saw the applause that those guys were getting, um, you know, and we could talk about it in another podcast about Mike Madonna. I'm just, I'm sour that, you know, I, I want Mike Madonna to be cheered here. I really feel as though he was a great ambassador for the game and a great ambassador for Dallas-Fort Worth, and I know he works for the Minnesota Wild, but can we put that behind? You know, if Dirk's getting a statue, I personally think there should be a Madonna way or a small statue or a tribute around the arena. Oh, yeah. You know, I really yeah. do. Yeah, I, I get very I, – I think too many times we get – I think it's okay to acknowledge – um, it's okay to acknowledge when a player and a team don't have the the greatest split or whatever. It's okay to acknowledge it, but I hate when we let that stuff take away from the history or looking at what the player was. Um, like I, I had a, this conversation with someone about like in Detroit, yeah, like up in Detroit, like the fact Sergey Fedorov's number is not retired in Detroit. Wow, goes down to like ninety one is not retired in Detroit because the Illich family didn't like how much money he wanted before he left. Like that's why 91 is not retired in Detroit. Like Mike Madonna, number nine is at least retired, right? That's yep. fine. But like number nine, like Madonna, there should be a statue of Mike Madonna. If there's a statue of Dirk Nowitzki, like if you're yeah. going to open the, if you're going to open the world up, if you're going to open the space around the arena to statues, there should be one of the most influential stars player of all time. If you're going to do one for the Mavericks. Yep. And I, and it's and Madonna like Madonna's also it's okay to be it's okay for to not have him as part of the organization and still acknowledge what he did that's the other thing that like that is always like it's that's always funny to me where it's like oh well he's work Mike's working for Minnesota now so that that diminishes it doesn't diminish anything he did 
He's t- Mike Madonna, the player, retired. Okay. We acknowledge that. We remember that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from what Mike Madonna, the player, did. Uh, I mean, there should be a statue. I'm sure Dirk would agree with us. We should bring him yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like. Well, I, you know, I mean, I asked Craig about it, and he said, don't get me started. So, mm-hmm. you know, his teammates feel the same way. I was really happy that when he came back for um, Zuboff that he did get uh, large applause. So mm-hmm. I, I was glad to uh, glad to hear that. But uh, I'm glad you feel the same way that I do because, you know, yeah. I just think we I mean, quickly forget yeah. number nine and how influential he was. And not just, I mean, these guys, when they came to town, they were ambassadors for the sport. I mean, it was a brand-new sport. So, um, you know, and they embraced it, and they embraced the opportunity. And it was just, you know, it's just just to, you know, move that aside, just it, it, it frustrates me because, I mean, we're not just talking about one of the all-time great Dallas stars. We're talking about one of the great all-time hockey players. And there should be something at the American Airlines for him. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. And that's and that's and and the other thing and I and I'll go I'll go as I've said multiple times on this like you don't have to want Mike Madonna working for your team because I don't know if I do. Like I mean the role he has with Minnesota, that's a role that I think you only could really have in Minnesota but that doesn't change what he did that doesn't change I mean if the Vancouver Canucks I mean don't be the Vancouver Canucks on this actually let's let's go look at it that way okay let's so I don't know if you saw so the Vancouver Canucks had obviously a bit of a not so friendly split with Roberto Luongo right yep. he had um Luongo the Canucks also they have two. The Canucks retired numbers are weird. Them in Calgary do this really weird, dumb thing where they have retired numbers and they have a ring of honor, but both of them are like acknowledged up in the sky. Okay, so the Canucks are putting Luongo in their ring of honor, but not retiring number one. It's just such a petty thing. Like it's an overly petty thing where it's like, well, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, so we got to find some way to honor him, but. We're still kind of pissed about how things ended and the contract he signed. So instead of giving him Sedin status here, you're also ran status and you got to be in the corner as opposed to a retired number. Don't be the Canucks on this. Yes. Like, (laughs) (sighs) I know. I agree. I agree. And by the way, it sells tickets when you do stuff like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, this has been a blast. It has also on that. Keep going, man. Keep going. Just, Put a statue, Mike Madonna hoisting the Stanley Cup in the plaza. How many people are taking pictures of that oh, on a daily basis? So many. Like just, just so, it grows the game, man. Who, it grows who, the game. Who's um who was the statue of in St. Louis? Who is uh, I'll have to look that up. I don't but the, I mean I know I know Bobby Orr's yeah. outside of uh of Boston. Yeah, well I mean if the LA Kings can give uh Dustin Brown a statue, Mike Madonna should have a statue. <laughs> that, <laughs> like, <laughs> That is true. <laughs> yeah, what are they going to do for Kopitar if Dustin Brown gets one? Slightly taller statue? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the... <laughs> I don't know. No, you're you're <laughs> you're, uh, you're absolutely right. I, I will get that answer as far as who's uh, who's yeah. a statue is outside of uh, St. Louis. He's of EP ringside and Shap shots. He's an NHL beast. His name is Sean Shapiro. Oh my goodness. I didn't even get to the uh, under 24 list. 
So oh yeah, we should we should yeah we should, we should do this we should because that real yeah quick. we want to we want to sound current. So yeah. TSN uh, yesterday came out with an under twenty four list that Craig mm-hmm. Button and others are a part of. And the cool thing, Stars fans, is is that a lot of your players are on the list. If you look at the top five coming in at number one, Kale McCarr, number two on the list, Jason Robertson. Then you have Jack Hughes, Nick Suzuki, and Rasmus Dahlin. So, I mean, that's impressive. Uh, yeah. But then when you go to the top 10 and you widen it out, coming in at number seven, Jake Ottinger. Coming in at number eight, Miro Heiskanen. Then you have Quinn Hughes and Brady Kachuk. So, three stars in the top 10. 30%. I, I, actually, I, would, I would also argue that Miro's actually probably a little bit underranked by this here. And Agreed. I, I'm using, I, I feel that if you were to go from this list to be like, hey, pick players to start a franchise with, um, there's some names before Miro on there where I'm picking Miro before them. And that's not saying those aren't great players, but I would argue Miro's lower than he should be on this list. Um, I was, uh, and then even like going deeper on it, like Wyatt Johnson. Yes. 31. The one, the one I'm curious about is like, these lists are always interesting. Cause like you get through, you have to pick a number to cut off at some point. Yeah. I wonder where, cause this, this, this list has prospects on it too and yep. everything like that. And so like, I wonder where like a Logan Stankoven landed on this, like, and when they were going mm. through them, because like, like I see like a Marco Casper on the list, who's still a, who hasn't played in the NHL yet. You see, um, uh, Kind of a let's see what others you've got a couple other guys who are yeah Simon Edmondson who hasn't played in the United who hasn't played in the NHL yet like I wonder where like Stankoven kind of would have fallen on this list just with how he's played and everything like that because he's been great um, so it's it obviously future is bright in Dallas which is really good and it's kind of vital that it's happening with both the guys currently making waves in the NHL and you're also getting some of those other guys too. Um, man, can, like the whole, what, isn't it great Gavin right now that we're doing this stuff and talking about Wyatt Johnson and we don't have to like do like a world junior preview to talk about Wyatt Johnson. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> like, <laughs> no doubt. I mean, you can't lose him. Yeah. You know, and I don't think he wants to go either. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a privilege, it's but at the same time, yeah. You know, yeah. he, he's playing so well right now. So, all right. Answer. This is what we do on Spits and Suds. Al McKinnis yeah. uh, okay. and uh, Bernie Federko now have okay. statues side-by-side outside the St. Yeah. Louis Blues Arena. Okay. So that's that's your answer. But, yeah, very, very, uh, very impressive. And I was trying to think. I was trying to pull up the young kid from uh, Minnesota that's having such a good year. Uh, but I don't know if he's under 24. Uh, Matt Boldy. Yeah, Matt Boldy. Okay, yeah. yeah, I think he's he's probably he's got to be on that list. Yeah. Yeah. He. Yeah. He is. I'm is he? Sure. Okay. Good. Yeah. He is like checks in at uh, twenty one right okay. there. Okay. All right. Right. Right, right after Martin Neckers is a good callback to earlier in the episode. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It is the Central Division. They got some youngsters, and it's going to be fun. All right. I think we can wrap this up now. I think so. I think so. Can, now, now people can, if people want to outro and just start playing brass bonanza in their head, go ahead. Yes. So- yeah. No, I could pull, I could pull up the St. Louis statues. I could not pull up that song in time, Sean, but uh, you are a beast. Everyone check him out at EP ringside. Check him out at Shapshots. Check him out on Twitter at Sean Shapiro. 
And, uh, you know, he's a great follow for NHL and for the Stars. He writes some amazing articles, and he joins us every single week multiple times here on Spits and Suds. So thanks for listening. Please tell your friends this was such a fun episode to do with Sean. So if you're listening, enjoy the game tomorrow night. Listen uh, to this and pass on to your friends. Hey, there's a great Carolina preview. They talk about uh, Jake Ottinger. They talk about the under-24. It's happening right here in Dallas-Fort Worth for you, the Dallas Stars fan. And we will talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.